Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA more at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org. Good morning for Every Day is Earth Day today. I have a senior policy associate of clean energy, Mike Showalter, with the organization called Fresh Energy. Hello, Mike. How are you today? Wonderful. How are you today? I'm good. So I was looking at an article in the Star Tribune, I think this past weekend or so, about the Minnesota power plants going to be closing their coal plants. And in there it was quoted by someone from the Fresh Energy Organization, which you're from, talking about how this is going to be happening more and more. The plans for increased renewables and storage got the boost from the recent Inflation Reduction Act and 2021's Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. So with Fresh Energy, talk about what you do and how that affects what's happening here in Minnesota related to energy. Yeah, well, we are a, a nonprofit organization in Minnesota, and our our main mission is really to figure out and advocate for how Minnesota as a state can transition to being a 100% clean electricity, carbon-free economy. We've been around since 1992 and have grown since then. You know, as you can tell in our name, Fresh Energy, we were focused predominantly on energy. And, uh, you know, I think, I think we, we look at the term energy pretty broadly now to look at energy systems as a whole. So, you know, I would say, you know, kind of like we talk about with coal, electricity is a, a key aspect of what we, what we look at. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I think is really core to our mission, what we do is there have been transitions in our in economies many, many times over the last century, two centuries. And I think one of the things that, that we are very cognizant of is you know, how can we make sure that this is a transition that works for everybody? How can we not repeat some of the mistakes that we may have made in the past in terms of, oh, people will figure it out? What can we do? Because there are winners and losers. There are more winners, many more winners, but there are a few people who will be impacted negatively. And we're also working hard to make sure that those people will stand to benefit and also that the benefits of a clean energy economy will benefit everybody. So how does this Inflation Reduction Act and the 2021 Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act impact with what you do? Um, it makes us very busy. Okay, right, because <laughs> I know your area is policy mainly, so that's why I'm asking you. Yeah, yeah. My, my area is policy. My area is a very um, small part of that policy. But as a whole, you know, the Inflation Adjustment Act has really done, is, is really done a lot to speed up opportunities, make it more economic to, you know, do, to do things like implement storage. You know, we're, we're seeing a huge bump in the amount of storage that is projects that are being put forward to join our, you know, the, the grid that Minnesota is part of, in large part because of the Inflation Adjustment Act, because of those tax credits that are there. But there's a, there's a whole, I mean, there's a very, very vast array of benefits that come from that, that, that go beyond just what's going on on our grid here. And I, and I wish I could speak to greater detail to that, but, you know, that is, that is not my actual area of expertise. Now, according to this, Minnesota Power is closing its coal plants by 2035, and I think that's about the last coal plant that will be here in the state. And then a lot of what's doing is transitioning to renewable energy. So what is your group doing to help that along? Well, first off, I think one of the big challenges we have is, so Minnesota is not an island in terms of its grid. We, we, we share the same grid with, as our neighbors, you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, the Dakotas, even Canada. We're, we're all interconnected together. 
And so, you know, even though, you know, we're closing, our last coal plant will be closed by 2035, hopefully sooner, you know, there still will be coal in the grid if, if other states aren't able to speed up that process themselves. That said, you know, in order for, for us to take advantage of clean electricity, so wind and solar primarily, well, I think one of the big challenges that we're going to have is actually needing a greater deployment of storage resources across not just Minnesota, but across the entire footprint of our grid. And that, that's, and I can talk further about that, but we, we share the same wholesale energy market as 15 other states and, Manit- and uh, Manitoba. And so, you know, in order to get that clean electricity to us, one of the critical component of that is transmission. And that's, you know, the, the big power lines, not the small ones you'll see in our neighborhood, but the really big ones that you'll might see along highways without, a, without an increase in our transmission. And I've seen estimates of, you know, needing two to three times as much transmission as we have right now. We're not going to really be able to take advantage of a lot of the benefits that the Inflation, Inflation Adjustment Act can provide us. And we're also not going to be able to get the clean electricity that we need. And I think one of the things, and this kind of gets ahead of one of the complaints or criticisms of clean electricity of, you know, is that the cliche that, you know, the sun's not always shining like right, right now it's cloudy uh, <laughs> and, uh, and the wind's not always blowing, but you have, you know, not counting storage, which is something that is coming on increasingly and will help us in a large regard. The other thing that you have for you is you have a, a geographic diversity. And so, you know, electricity is moves at the speed of light and, you know, the sun may not be shining here or the wind may not be blowing here, but it is somewhere else. And transmission enables a lot of the wind-rich or sun-rich resources to actually get that electricity to market. And, you know, right now, if you look across the grid, really not just here in the Midwest, but a whole, across the whole nation, you know, there are a lot of, um, I like to think about it as roads. There are a lot of areas where the roads just aren't built up enough and you have a lot of traffic or, mm-hmm. or what we call congestion in that flow of electricity. And so that's something that, you know, we're really working hard on with the regional grid operator here, uh, but also within the state to try to open up, open up some of this uh, long, long-range transmission build-out. So you sound like we're talking infrastructure, basically, just isn't there to, to take advantage of if we are able to use this. Yeah, infrastructure. It's, um, it's an important piece. I mean, the, the grid of the 20th century was, you know, from a geographic perspective, you had a few very large polluting power plants and those need to be placed next to water resources because you know they're producing a lot of heat they need to cool you know cool the plant so that they can continue to run and so they're generally they're placed along rivers they're also you know generally we're close to load close to cities or close to factories places where that we're using a lot of electricity and with renewables the 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 ideal location is not the same Hmm. ideal location that we had for polluting power plants. So, you know, it's not necessarily dependent on on water. We don't need to cool solar and wind resources. So, you know, and we're placing solar and wind resources in places that are quite far away from where our cities are, where our factories are. And so in order to actually take advantage of renewable resources, we need to we need to connect that, build new transmission lines to get that to our cities, to, you know, or to to factories, to universities, you know, places that, that need a lot, of, a lot of electricity. On top of all of that, we're also seeing a movement to decarbonize our economy as a whole. And, to, and a big part of that is moving away from gas, moving away from gas heat, moving away from gasoline in our cars, even moving away from, you know, backup storage at a you know, large factory or whatnot may have backup storage that's gas. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, 
not only do we need to you know, get this product, this renewable electricity product from faraway place to where it's needed, but we also are going to need more of it. So it's kind of a dual challenge there. Yeah, that, that's critical that we you know, overcome, especially if we want to meet our you know, decarbonization goals for the state of Minnesota and also just for the country and the planet. You keep bringing up storage. What, what kind of storage is that exactly? What does that look like? Yeah, so, yeah, storage, I mean, traditionally when storage is talked about, well, not traditionally, but when storage is talked about today, generally people are talking about battery storage. Okay. And, you know, that's the kind of storage that's going to take advantage of a lot of rare earth minerals like lithium, you know, maybe some cobalt. And, you know, there's a lot of controversy, you know, even around where some of that is. And, and, and the, the storage industry as a whole has gotten a lot better at tracking those resources, where they come from. Since we're, you know, since I've brought that up, um, you know, it is, it, does, it is a good reminder that any energy resource we use is going to have some sort of impact somewhere in the world, including here in the United States. But, you know, store, but storage, like other, other resources, wind, and, get, wind and, uh, and solar resources, you know, end up having a much lower imprint on, on you know, the environment than, they, than other resources like natural gas or oil or coal. But the reason storage is so important is, and, you know, maybe I can talk a little bit about how the, how the grid works and how electricity works. Sure. Essentially, all, at all times every day, the amount of electricity produced must equal exactly the amount of electricity consumed. So what this means is you get up in the morning, you turn on your kettle or your microwave, mm-hmm. That increase in electrical load in your house has to be matched somewhere on the grid by a little bit increase in the electricity that's being produced. And so this is a constant balancing problem that you know, we've evolved to do quite well over the last 100 years or so. And with um, wind and solar resources, you know, this gets us to, you know, okay, well, let me, let me back up. With your more traditional resources like oil or gas or coal, there is a little bit of responsiveness there. Because you have uh, a resource, you know, you could store, you could store coal on site. You know, you can have mm-hmm. a contract, you can have a pipeline of gas going to your power plant. And so you're pretty predictable, but not, not, we can get into that a little later too. It's not entirely predictable, but you're a pretty predictable source of fuel to, to heat your power plant to then produce electricity. And with solar and wind, you don't necessarily have that. We can, we, we have gotten a lot better at meteorology, at weather forecasting, so we can predict when the sun's going to shine, where it's going to shine, you know, how much wind we're going to get. But, you know, we don't always have that. So, you know, there's so one component of the, to fill in those gaps, you know, in addition to transmission, to be able to get it from, you know, where it is shine, shining or where it is windy to a place where it isn't, transmission helps. But the other aspect of that is storage. And we don't need nearly as much storage as we would transmission, but we still need a lot. The other thing about storage that's really helpful is sometimes, let's just take wind, for example, Wind, it could suddenly, you know, if the weather systems come through, it gets windy and it gets less windy. Um, You know, as it gets less windy and less power is able to be provided, something has to make up that lost power that's being produced. And that's a big place where storage gets involved. And so, you know, storage, actually the classic pair with storage is, you know, you can, they call it a hybrid resource. So any hybrid resource is generally a storage plus wind or storage plus solar resource. And what that means is that there may be some arbitrage going on. So it's kind of like a buy low, sell high. You know, during the day when it's very sunny and we don't need as much electricity as we do in the evening, a lot of solar resources that have storage attached or just standalone storage resources can go ahead and buy electricity or store that electricity 
when it's cheap. And then in the evening, when people are coming home, turning on their televisions, turning on their lights, turning on their ovens, then they can then they can go ahead and dispatch or sell that that electricity from the storage to the grid. And so that's a kind of a one way in which you know historically, wind and solar resources haven't had that ability to you know haven't had that fuel that kind of sits on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, but with storage, battery storage, you you know we can do that. The other thing about battery storage that's really, really important is, this maybe gets a little too technical, but part of the, um, you know, I mentioned how when you turn on, when you turn on your, your kettle or your microwave, Mm -hmm. someone somewhere has to produce a little more electricity. Right. And, you know, let's take an example that I think is maybe a little easier to kind of conceptualize, Uh, you know, Super Bowl, let's say it's a Super Bowl, it's, it's like a cold winter day, and you know, suddenly it's halftime. And let's just say everybody wants to go ahead and turn their kettle on at halftime because it's a commercial. They don't, you know, everyone's doing the same thing at the same time. Suddenly we're going to see an uptick in the demand of electricity. The way the grid works, the, the grid actually has a frequency that's set. And if the frequency dips a little bit, um, that's, how a new, that's how an energy resource will know to supply more power. And one of the things that, that batteries can do is they can sense that little bit of a frequency deviation and supply that little bit of power there just for, the, just for that frequency aspect. But also they can be dispatched to, you know, in, ahead of time to, to go ahead and, and provide more, more power just as an energy resource as a whole. It sounds like it's almost impossible to do then with where we're at now, is is it? I mean, your job, I know, it, at Fresh Energy is to shape and drive the policy to achieve that equitable carbon neutral economy. So how are you going to be doing that? It just sounds like it's so complicated. Yeah, I would say it's both entirely possible from a technological, a technical perspective. And at the same time, if we were, you know, we have the technology to do it. So wind and solar is also a lot less expensive. It's, it's actually the cheaper resource, the cheapest resource to use right now. Battery storage is getting cheaper. And, uh, you know, I don't know the exact price now and how that compares with, uh, with other resources. Um, you know, but if you arbitrage it correctly, it's, it's, it's getting close. And, and the, the Inflation Adjustment Act certainly has, the tax credits has made it a lot more competitive. Technologically, we can do it today. The biggest problem we have is just a lot of will. Oh. Um, you know, and, and, and there's a natural hesitancy, which, which I, I really can appreciate that the first and foremost responsibility of our grid operator, which is the mid-continent independent system operator here in Minnesota and the 15 other states I mentioned, their they're, they're first and foremost responsibility is to keep the lights on. Sure. And change is scary. Change is something that, you know, they, they're, ta- they're trying to take a very responsible path towards how can we change with this changing technology with these changing consumer preferences, with market preferences that are, that are preferring a cheaper resource, um, policy preferences from, you know, from state and local leaders. They, their, their job is to really ensure that the grid can change in a way that will keep the lights on. And so they're trying to be careful about it. But I think at the same time, these kind of change in terms of a policy, law, regulation, you know, there are a lot of processes that are in place now that maybe made sense 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but don't make sense now considering the resource mix, how, where our electricity comes from. And those things that made sense 10 years ago actually create a little more problems now. It takes time to change some of those processes. Is that mainly policy then that needs to change? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
I hesitate to say mainly policy, but I would say, yeah, policy is, is both the biggest, the best tool we have to, to enact the change and also the biggest hurdle because there's, there's just a bit of a, you know, momentum to what we have in place. So, you know, I think it's, it's, electricity is historically a small C conservative, not politically, but small C conservative industry in big part because if we do something, if we make a mistake, everyone knows about it and people get fired and and lives are at stake. And, you know, there's um, lots of, you know, it's just, they're very, very harmful. Like we saw in Texas a couple of years ago. And so there's this huge, huge drive not to make those mistakes. And so the big challenge for us actually is, yeah, we can technologically do it all now, but how do we do it in a way that people will agree to both pay for, you know, how do we share those costs? How do we, how do we make those changes in a way that Kind of what I got to before about the mission of fresh energy. You know, there are winners and losers. How do we make sure that we don't leave people behind? You know, transmission is tricky. If we're going to need two to three times as much transmission as we have, how do we make sure that the Minnesota PUC or other state PUCs are actually, you know, citing that transmission, picking a path of that transmission in a way that actually listens to and respects the, you know, the needs and wants of of those who are immediately affected? You know, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges here. And so, you know, we could do it now, but but it would be really messy if we did it now. And so I think the really the, the key challenge for us is how do we transition as quickly as we can while at the same time doing it correct, doing it in a way that actually anticipates potential problems, you know, anticipates what people need. And, and one of the big, one of the best ways to do that is just to talk to people, you know, try to work with a lot of people, try to you know, that's one thing we do at Fresh Energy. We are we will work with anybody who you know shares the same goal of decarbonizing our economy, and and whether that's in whether that's a, a, a business who wants to partner with in some way, whether that's a you know a politician, you know of any party, whether that's you know a regulator, you know we are here to be you know to be leaned on to help you know help you help you learn if that's what you need, help come up with new ideas if that's what you're looking for. You know, but the big challenge is, is how do we do this? How do we do this in a way that benefits everybody? Um, and so that's, you know, actually this morning I was thinking about. <laughs> I don't know if this, this is, makes sense, but time favors the slow, hmm. and I mean by that is you know, sometimes we need to slow down in order to get to our goal in the most quick way possible. And you know, I think, you, know, you asked, can we do this now? Yeah, we can do it now, but we need to take our we need to take our time to do it right. And if we take our time to do it right, we will actually get there the fastest. So how long do you think it will take? I mean, is there any, I don't know, you don't have a magic ball or anything that you can see into, but I mean, what, are we talking decades? Yeah, I don't, I, I'm hesitant to give a date for (laughs) carbon neutrality, but I think if we can get to, I think 80% we can get to at least, and this is just me talking on a limb. I don't know if Fresh Energy has a, if the policy folks in other areas of Fresh Energy have a, a different light, but and I think 2035 is a realistic goal to oh. get to 80%. Okay. And the reason I, I want to bring up 80% is is because I think, you know, the last 20% will be very difficult. But I think by then we will have a mature enough battery technology and battery markets to take care of a lot of the, the voltage or thermal issues that, that occur on the grid. And, you know, once we have a, a like a majority renewable grid, it will be easier for us to then kind of adopt that physics of the renewable grid in a way to close the gap for the last 20%. So I kind of look at that, it's getting to 80. Once we get to 80, you know, it, it is talked about the last 20 is perhaps the hardest 20, but in a way 
it's almost, in a sense, in some senses, it's actually a little easier because you've got the rest of the 80s to go ahead and support that. But I do think it really relies on the ability of storage. You know, I think that's the biggest thing going forward. And actually, there's a lot of good projects here in Minnesota for storage. I know Warm Energy is, which is a, a company that they've partnered with one of our main utilities to do a pilot program where they have a long duration low storage technology that they've that they're using and they're testing and they're trying to figure out how how it actually works what are its strengths what are its limitations and so there's a lot of stuff going on right now and you know that long duration storage is going to be a key piece as well and I'm confident that we're we're going to get there in terms of solving solving those problems what sorts of things is fresh energy working on now you know we've got the new session that's coming up in Minnesota and you know I I'm not as closely Part of the legislative priorities that we work on, it's it's a because we're a 501c3, we're mainly focused on on advocacy, mm-hmm. on policymaking, and advocacy, and we, and we we we're not really we're, we're advocating for a renewable and clean electric, electricity economy. But I do know that you know we we are focused on on I, I believe one of the priorities is to to do a a clean 100% decarbonized economy type type bill. That's something that we're that we're I, I, pretty sure that we're focused on. And that's something that we know we're work, we want to work with anybody, any party that wants to work on that. You know, we, we definitely want to work with you. And I actually think that, you know, everybody should be interested in this. This is the way of the future. If you care about cheaper rates for people in your district, the clean electricity is cheaper electricity. We're going to have our, our electricity be vastly cheaper once we are able to finish this transition than it is today. You know, if only because wind and sun have free fuel. You don't need to pay for gas. You don't need to pay for coal. It's free. It just happens. It just comes. The sun provides both of those things. And so yeah, I think I think it's in everyone's interest, really, to, to kind of help support that. And if you want to play a role in figuring out how we get there, you know, we want to work with you. Because definitely we want to hear all voices. We want to work with all perspectives. We want to make sure that we can get there. And I guess, you know, the biggest thing anyone can do is to learn. I mean, if you already listened to this, that show, you're trying to learn as it is. It's an incredibly fast-moving industry that we're in, and it's going to change a lot of what's going on. I think if you have questions, I think asking questions is the way to go. I, you know, one thing that I really try to do is, is check my own assumptions or, what, you know, things that I believe to be true and, and, and really ask, you know, is it true? Well, I mean, if you're excited about this kind of stuff, definitely look me up on, the, on our website, fresh-energy.org, and, you know, I'd love to chat. If you want more clean electricity where you live, t- talk to your local your local community leaders. Tell them that. They need to hear that. You know, maybe it's also your business or maybe it's the, the places you decide to shop. You know, vote with your dollar. Go to those places that are, that are actually trying to take action and care about this issue. Support those places that are making the harder choices and thinking beyond just, you know, pure dollars and cents, but also the impact of their businesses. We are speaking with Mike Showalter, the Senior Policy Associate of Clean Energy with Fresh Energy Organization. Anything else you think we should know about your organization? You know, I think we're trying to work for everybody. We'd love to hear, you know, if you have any perspective, if there's something you think that, you know, is going on that, that you're, not, you're not being heard, reach out to us. Let us know. We're here to really help everybody. I, I think Fresh Energy, energy is in our name. You know, we're here for the ensuring that we can transition to a decarbonized economy here, but we, we want to make sure we do it right. We want to make sure that everyone benefits. So if you feel like you're not benefiting or if you feel like you're being harmed, 
reach out. We want to talk. We want to learn. Only by talking to each other and learning from everybody can we actually come up with stronger policy that helps everybody. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for the uh, interest in, in the conversation. I've enjoyed it, and I hope everyone else who's listening has as well. Thank you so much. Every Day is Earth Day is supported by Minnesota Valley Federal Credit Union with two locations in Mankato since 1934. It pays to bank where your part owner member NCUA. More at mnvalleyfcu.coop. And Every Day is Earth Day is also supported by members of the Executive Board of the South Central Minnesota Clean Energy Council. Find out more at smcleanenergy.org.